Welcome to episode 164 of the Scarlet Faithful Podcast. I'm Aaron Brightman coming to you on late Monday, September 11th. Uh, it's been a busy day in Rutgers Athletics and, and part of why this is late coming for me. So I appreciate you listening and watching just the same. Uh, but uh, plenty of sports I just wanted to delve into and then touch on football quite a bit at the uh, really the midpoint to the, the end point. But uh, men's basketball announcing today that they're going to have a charity exhibition game against St. John's. It'll be the first public uh, appearance on the sidelines for St. John's for, for Rick Pitino. So it'll be buzzworthy uh, event. It's at Carneseca Arena in Queens. Uh, it is not at the rack. Tickets information was all posted today. I covered the story on the Scarlet Faithful, so you can check it out there if you need to. Um, but uh, it was going to be a secret scrimmage. Uh, usually programs have two secret scrimmages before the preseason. And they turned this into a charity event for the Jimmy V Foundation, which is just awesome. And uh, it's also a tremendous test for Rutgers. Uh, Joel Soriano versus Cliff Amore is must-see TV. I don't know if it'll actually be on TV. It'll probably be streamed. Uh, but this is the third charity event or charity exhibition that Rutgers has had under Peichel. They played Fairfield last year for Legrand. And then a few years ago, they also played uh, St. John's for Hurricane Relief for uh, the Red Cross. It was... Uh, it, uh, in Puerto Rico, I believe 2018. So uh, really cool event. I, I know people hope that, you know, St. John's and Rutgers will play in the regular season one day, hopefully next year. Uh, it's always, you know, th that's certainly a school that I've always hoped is kind of just like a regular on the non-conference schedule, but we'll see. Uh, but we have to be happy with this. And uh, it's certainly going to be a good test for Rutgers in the preseason. Uh, it's October 21st. So that's about two weeks out or 10, 60, a little more than two weeks out from Rutgers Princeton in Trenton to start the season on Monday, November 6th. Uh, wanted to briefly touch on some fall sports. Uh, I had recaps on field hockey, volleyball, and women's soccer over the weekend. Field hockey off to a tremendous start, 6-0. and Head coach Mary Civico had her on the podcast before the season started. They have two ranked wins now. They just beat Princeton. And they beat UConn the week before. They had that West Coast trip. Uh, Puck Winter is, has six goals. She's got named uh, Big, e, uh, Big Ten Co-Player of the Week. Uh, so great start. They've actually never started 6-0 for Mara Civico. And that includes her tremendous team from two years ago that won the Big Ten tournament. So big things from field hockey right now. Uh, and then all those games have been on the road, which is amazing. Uh, then you have volleyball off to a 7-1 start. Uh, they beat Columbia and Morgan State over the weekend. Their one loss is a five-set loss at NC State. They were up two sets to one, super close to being undefeated. Uh, now, listen, they, they haven't beat anyone great, uh, but at the same time, it's still a positive for this program to be uh, winning matches they should. Uh, it's certainly a step forward. And before you can win you know, consistently in the Big Ten, you got to win consistently in the non-conference, and they're doing that. And I'm going to have head coach Caitlin Schweighoffer on uh, next week, so stay tuned for that. And then soccer, women's soccer just completed non-conference play, 4-2-2. Two, a two. little bit of a disappointment there. They had a, you know, a bad loss to Hofstra at home uh, where they were shut out, 1-0. Uh, but, you know, they, they played NC State on the road. It was a very good program. Uh, pretty similar to Rutgers in terms of NCAA tournament year after year after year. Uh, Rutgers had a lead, and then NC State scored, I believe, in the 88th minute. So that was a tough one, but still a quality uh, result. And then uh, they also had a tie with Princeton, which is quality. Uh, so the only bad loss was Hofstra. And then they lost 2-0 to Georgetown at home. 
who was ranked number 14 at the time. Uh, but they just had two pretty quality wins over Providence and UMass. Both won nothing. Uh, both hard fought wins. Two pretty good teams. So they're four two and two. I, you know, I, I'm optimistic. They've they've made some. Uh, they they did a little bit of a change in the formation. Went to a four four two. Riley Tiernan playing more of it as an attacking midfielder role now. Uh, she's, you know, just so talented. And uh, you have Emily Mason, their uh, national player uh, in the defense, former high school player of the year. Uh, she's running into form after missing, you know, pretty much the whole offseason with an injury. And Sam Kroger, the leading scorer from last season, is is working her way back. So I, I think this team certainly has a shot at the Big Tens. They're going to play an undefeated Indiana team this weekend. So stay tuned for that. But uh, definitely optimistic that they're going to end up still having a great year. And then men's soccer is a bit of a concern. They're 1-3-1. and one. They got uh, beaten pretty bad at UCLA, who's a very good team. Uh, over the weekend for nothing, uh, you know, they kind of squandered some stuff with uh, St. John's. They tied and they lost to Delaware. So that's a little concerning. Uh, they lost to Princeton. They beat St. Peter's. Uh, they have Columbia on Wednesday and then they start Big Ten play. So, you know, most likely they're going to have to either run the table in Big Ten play or win the Big Ten tournament to get back to the NCAA tournament. They really put themselves in a hole. I think they're super talented. Uh, a lot of new parts, and they just haven't quite figured it out yet, but optimistic they will. Uh, so let's talk football. Um, obviously, huge opportunity this weekend against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is the walking wounded right now. I had to write this down. Uh, both receivers, Jalen Lane and Ali Jennings. Jennings had more of a serious injury. Uh, doesn't seem like he's going to be able to play, but hasn't been officially declared out yet. Jalen Lane, I, I, I think, is more likely to play, but I don't know if that means he will. Their quarterback, Grant Wells, uh, missed the last drive of the game against Purdue. They lost by a touchdown to Purdue. Uh, he's banged up. And then their tight end, Nick Gall, is a, a senior captain, was to, uh, had season-ending surgery before the Purdue game. So offensively, they, uh, they are really hurting right now. Uh, and obviously the Rutgers defense is in feeling pretty good. So they, listen, this is, you know, the spread opened at, I think the line was four and a half. Uh and now it's close to seven. Obviously, people are, are you know putting putting money on Rutgers here, which always makes you nervous as a Rutgers fan. But uh, this is a game they should win. You know, this is a game that is for the taking for Rutgers. Um, I think what's interesting is expectations versus hope. Right, going into the season, I covered the polls that I did. Um, you know, the optimism for fans was with five to six wins. I picked them to go four and eight. Most fans pick them to get five or six wins. Uh, it's funny now that when you see comments, even though they're winning and they're playing relatively well, you're seeing some very pointed and uh, kind of perfectionist type comments about certain things that Rutgers, you know, offensively and defensively aren't doing or people think are concerns moving forward. Uh, listen, I, you know, I set it out in my rapid reaction on, on Saturday we don't know how good this team is yet. And, and and I don't know if they're good. I don't know. But they're certainly not terrible. And they definitely look improved from last year. So if your expectation is this is year four and there should be no question they shouldn't go to a bowl game, I get that. If your expectation coming into the season was you weren't really sure how good they were going to be, you just wanted them to be better, you have every reason to be happy right now. Uh, I'm happy right now with how they've looked. They haven't been perfect. 
Uh, they've had, you know, uh, obviously that third quarter against Temple was was awful. Uh, the play calling, uh, the the lack of ability to move the football, uh, Temple just hanging around, hanging around. It was it was super frustrating quarter. And then obviously it was a great sign, which I did not emphasize enough in the rapid reaction. That's why it's a rapid reaction. It was late, um, but just you know, I had talked about going into the game in my preview about seeing their fire, seeing their hunger. Uh, how hard this team was going to play, how they were going to respond after almost losing a Temple a year ago. And we actually we saw it in the fourth quarter. We saw them have no mercy, 23 unanswered points. And that was the kind of killer instinct that we haven't seen from this team in a long time. You know, Gavin Wimsett, that, that 6-1 year passage of Quay Jackson, yes, you know, he's he's missed some throws. He's been a little inaccurate. Uh, but that his ceiling in terms of being able to connect to Jaquay Jackson, you know, in stride, huge play down the field. Uh, It's why you have to believe that he should get every opportunity he should uh, this season to improve because it's September. I'm really curious if he can stay healthy and he's got enough weapons around him. And again, the running back room hasn't even been complete. What does Gavin Wimsett look like in November? Because he could – People forget how young he is and inexperienced he is. He's just scratching the surface, in my opinion. And, you know, the more reps he gets, the more experience he gets. Obviously, Big Ten play, it's going to be a whole nother level. And I talked about after the rapid reaction, you know, how is he going to react when he gets punched in the mouth, when he has that first turnover? How is he going to react in a game, in a Big Ten game, when Rutgers is losing and he's got to bring the team back? That's when I think we'll really know the full measure of his development and progress and ceiling perhaps as well. Uh, if he can really, you know, deliver in those types of situations, uh, we'll see. But for added, without a doubt that the, the ceiling for this team and for Wimsett is much higher, you know, just like I was going back to the, the Jaquay Jackson uh, catch uh, right before Kyle Mononga, I just took over and broke the game open where he had the six carries for 57 yards or whatever. And the touchdown you know, that pitch and catch to Jackson, he was pretty much wide open on the sideline. But that is a throw so many times before that Rutgers wasn't able to make. And it was, you know, close to 20 yards. And he, Wimsett did it um, pretty easily in terms of, of how he looked doing it. So uh, the upside is certainly there. Uh, this is not a perfect team. Um, you know, even defensively, uh, they have things they have to work on. You know, people were criti- I saw people were criticizing the pass rush. You know, by the way, just you know, Aaron Lewis had five uh, quarterback pressures against Temple, which is pretty high. Uh, and with EJ Warner throwing so quickly, you know, of course, Rutgers wasn't going to have as many uh, quarterback hits, sacks, all that. But I wrote about it after the game. I mean, they had thirteen pass deflections. Thirteen. That that that's a ton, and and, and it shows the versatility of this defense. Uh, the safeties, I think, are looking pretty good. Igben Newsom and Loyal made some big plays. Flip Dixon made some big plays. He had that one-on-one at the goal line. I mean, all three safeties made huge plays against Temple. That's really encouraging. Uh, Melton and Longerbeam played pretty well. The defensive line has been pretty good and pretty deep. Powell and Jennings are two of the best pass coverage linebackers there are in the Big Ten. I mean, Jennings was ridiculous. And he had three uh, pass breakups in the game. Uh, and, you know, poor football focus, I'm going to be writing on their grades and everything, but Jennings was super high. Uh, so there a lot to be encouraged. You know, Jay Patel bounced back. He had those three field goals. Flynn Appleby has been solid. McAtamy is automatic. 
I just jinxed it. But in terms of kickoffs, uh, 13 for 13 in touchbacks. So as a whole, this team is more fundamentally sound. They're more solid. You know, the offensive line is a huge concern. Tyler Needham's hurt for a while. We don't know how long Shiana said he would update uh, the injury or the availability report on Saturday, um, but essentially said he's not out for the year. Uh, didn't look good. He was carted off the field. Um, but the offensive line, I mean, they, they, they played 10 guys in the first game, 11 in the second. I thought the first was, you know, heat related. I think that was part of it, but I mean, they played one more guy and obviously Needham left the game injured, but uh, there's, there's a lack of cohesion there just in terms of trying to get all the parts to fit and they got to figure it out pretty quick. They got to figure it out this week with Virginia Tech and then you're at the big house in Michigan. Uh, yeah. They, otherwise it's going to really handicap the offense. It's going to stunt Wimsett's ability to uh, utilize all of his strengths. Uh, the running backs have to stay healthy. Sam Brown just got back. Aaron Young is hopefully back soon. Um, Jashawn Benjamin has been very good as a freshman. I wrote today about, you know, in the passing game, the running backs being utilized more this year, 89 receiving yards, all of last year, 80 yards so far. It was three catches, one for Brown, one for uh, Manungai, and one for Jashawn uh, Benjamin. All three ended up resulting ultimately into a touchdown. Uh, Benjamin's was a touchdown. Brown got down to the goal line and then ran it in. And then Manungai finished that drive off against Northwestern with his own 20 yard run after that 15 or excuse me, 15 yard touchdown run after that 20 yard catch. So uh, seeing Wimsett and, and Shiraka use the running backs as a safety valve makes a lot of sense because they're all playmakers. Uh, and if they can get any of them out in open space, they're, they're going to be able to just fly. So, um, haven't seen as much out of the tight ends yet, but certainly intriguing development uh, with the wide receivers, uh, excuse me, the running backs. And then, uh, yeah, Jaquay Jackson had a huge game. Did not hear much from Ian Strong. He did play, by the way. He uh, was 22 snaps, uh, mostly in blocking situations. So the point is we, we we don't fully know yet. There's been some encouraging signs through two, week, two weeks so far. Uh, there's been some things that we've seen and said, okay, well, you know, this team is not going to challenge for the big 10 title. Um, but you know, they've, they've limited mistakes. They have two turnovers total. So one per game, uh, they had four penalties in the second game. So six total, not terrible. Um, you know, there haven't been a ton of drops, not many much at all. Uh, and, and you know, just, just things that I, th I think what people should realize too, is how well coached I think they are. Um, you know, the fact that Gavin Wimsett was able to, to get the, the snap off when Temple had 12 guys on the field, right? Like that's something that doesn't really – we're not used to seeing happen. We're not seeing uh, used to seeing Rutgers take advantage of mistakes and weaknesses from its opponent on the offensive end. We're just not. And that happened against Temple. And that's just like a nuanced thing that just shows that this team is well coached. I mean, between Dave Brockett receivers, uh, Flats, uh, Pat Flaherty at offensive line, and then Chirac as offensive coordinator. I mean, there's a ton of age and years and experience there between the three of them. And it's rubbing off on this team, you know, and I think that's part of why Wimsett's so comfortable and poised out there is they've really gotten into a, a better comfort level and, and a confidence level. And it shows, it just shows in terms of how he's, uh performing out there but also interacting and just um you know he looks like a different quarterback in that regard you know he he's exactly 54 completion percentage so far not good enough 
um, running. You know, I don't get him running up the middle. But uh, overall, there's a lot of things to like uh, about him and about this team. And again, going back to expectations versus hope, I did a podcast before the season. Hope me to October. Can they win uh, enough games in September to get into October and have a legitimate chance at a bowl game? You got to get by Virginia Tech. You got to get by Virginia Tech. That's your swing game. You get by Virginia Tech, you're 3-0. and doesn't matter what happens to the big house. Just get out healthy. Beat Wagner. You go into October, and you have Michigan State in turmoil. Mel, Tuck, Mel Tucker is not going to be the coach. Not going to get into that, but you have plenty to read about. Uh, and then you go to Indiana. Rutgers could be six and two. I know people get mad at them, you know, jumping the gun here. I'm talking about possibility. They could be six and two the third week of October. That would be unbelievable. And then you're talking about going into November with the potential for like a, pretty much a special season at Rutgers where you could win feasibly eight games. Do you go to Iowa? Do you beat Maryland? You know, you probably, you're not going to beat Ohio State and Penn State, but uh, at Iowa is, you know, not crazy. Um, and then Maryland, you know, so not trying to get ahead of myself, just talking the outlook. Right. But, um, it's possible. So everything that's still on the table that we wanted to be on the table is there. Uh, so just remember if your expectations, if you're watching, you're getting frustrated, it's, it's, it's so much harder to, to, (laughs) to be positive and to not get lost in, expectations when you're watching them versus the off season, right? It's easy to say, ah, you know, if they went five and seven, to be okay with that. But when you actually have to watch a five and seven team, fans get upset because a lot of things go wrong. So I get that that's where some people already are at after two games. I'm just worried for you because it's only two games and they're two and up. So bear that in mind, but you got to be Virginia tech, be Virginia tech and everything is still on the table. They they're gonna start to get some national buzz. You go to the big house three and zero. It would be it'd be a great thing to have and give the program some life, some juice. Uh, you know, and credit to Shiano. I thought uh, another thing I, I forgot to mention in my rapid reaction was that he let Wimsett throw two. Uh, he let, let let him throw in that last drive of the first half. He let him throw. He threw deep into the end zone. Um, you know, in years past, he would have just taken a knee and run into the locker room. So I love that Shiano did that. He's making decisions. I think there's a trust level with him, Shiraka, and also Brock and Flats that Shiano hasn't had in a while. And you're seeing positive results in terms of how he's coaching. Yes, they got too conservative in both games with a big lead, uh, a multi-score lead. I agree with that 100%. But otherwise, you know, and they did snap out of it in both games a little bit. I, I, I just think that this team has a good balance right now. And I, I think they have good mojo. I think they do. And I talked about before the season, things went, you know, Northwestern, you know, that was a little bit of a break. Um, you know, Michigan State could be in complete chaos a month from now when Rutgers plays them. Uh, you know, who knows where this season could go. But right now they're in position and you have a very winnable home game against Virginia Tech. And the expectation should be that they can win it. Doesn't matter, you know, if they what they don't do well. They have to do enough well to win the game, of course. And that's what we have to focus on. I I, I think getting nitpicky right now, it's a little too early to get nitpicky. If something's going to cost them a game of Big Ten play, then we can gripe about it. But 
you know, if, 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 uh, you know, Wimsett is, is throwing a little off a few times, but he's throwing down the field the way he's been throwing down the field and, and picking up big yardage in certain situations. Uh, I think we got to live with that. And I think there's, there's belief that he can get better from that too. So I'm going to stop rambling now. Thank you for watching and listening. It's late. This will be my Monday podcast. So I didn't miss it. Uh, please check all my coverage at the scarletfaithful.com. I have like a dozen articles out since Saturday night and plenty more coverage coming this week. I'm going to have some guests and all that. So appreciate you listening and watching once again here at the Scarlet.